Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast, the podcast where two comedians talk like experts on subjects they are not experts on. Today, uh, we're talking about uh, my uh, career existential crisis that I'm facing. I don't know what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know what my uh, future career looks like. Mm-hmm. And I think Jordan's going to talk about Twitch. <laughs> so bored, so much worse. Maybe I could get into Twitch. I don't know. I, t- I was telling Maybe. you before, I tried it for uh, a couple of sessions and I didn't like it. Not for you. Not for me. Okay. I, I feel like you just, you, you did it the wrong way. There's a lot of, there's a lot to play around with this on, but you actually could be right about it as well. It could be the most boring job on earth. It's either one or the other. It's either the greatest job or the worst. And I can't figure it out. Well, it's a good business model what these political commentators do because they, they will stream for hours on end and they'll have an editor who just chops up the best clips, posts to their YouTube, they get 100,000 views each and they're making bank. Yeah. A lot of uh, fights. That seems to be the way to get a lot of attention. This is just it. It's just like I cannot think of a more immediate way of – you know what they all are? They've all made their audiences their producer. They sit there and say, what do you want me to react to? Okay. And then they sit there for 45 minutes reacting to it. And by reacting, I mean these Twitchers are so lazy. I've never seen more lazy content in my life. A lot of the time they will watch a 45-minute video and not speak. What? And they yeah, have thousands of people. And they're making people. millions. I've never, I, don't, I just don't understand that world. The e-girls and I sound like a boomer, but people will just watch other people doing mundane things. You know what Twitch should be called? And this is like a very twitchy word, but it's just because it's the right word. Parasocial relationship, the app. Uh, Is it it Twitch community? Because once they streamed a comedy gig on um, Twitch and there were a few hate comments, to be fair... Uh, there was no audience, so there were no there was no laugh track. The sound from the audience couldn't be heard properly, and so it just sounded like we were saying our jokes into a void without anyone laughing. Uh, so it would sound super awkward. Yeah, and there were uh, yeah comments that justifiably were critical, uh, and then I got tweets later saying, "Hey, look, just so you know, those comments don't represent the Twitch community." Who said that? Just, Other people on Twitch uh, must have been. But it was just people on Twitter. Oh, other people on Twitter were saying that about this doesn't represent the Twitch community. The fact that you were getting mean comments about a, uh, a, a, a stand-up a set with no up. audio. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it should represent the Twitch community. You should be able to pay out something that is just like a complete. You aren't able to hear. Yeah, yeah. I can't like if they've been directed that at positive, the audio at much. the people who set that stream up. It was terrible. They got they got good money out of it. Uh, it was uh, just after the first lockdown and. Uh, just, I think there was a grant from the government for comedians to get back into the game. And so they just streamed it on Twitch. And so already it was a lockdown era audience where everyone had to be seated apart and wear masks mm. and they didn't have the audience mic'd up. So yeah. it just imagine a stand-up show where you just hear the mic audio and you hear faint laughs that get picked up by the mic uh, and it's going to sound horrendous. And so then when there was audience mm. interaction... No one could hear it. They could just hear, yeah. yeah, they just hear me saying, what's your name? What do you do? <laughs> and then I'd make a joke and no one knew what I was making a joke about. So that was uh, that was interesting. And then I tried yeah. Twitch for a while. It wasn't bad, but not 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 my thing. Um, 
And uh, I don't know what my thing is anymore. Why? I just, uh, I don't know. You know how uh, maybe two years ago we did that podcast, Where Do You Want to Be When You're 50? Yeah. I don't know where I want to be when I'm 50 anymore. Uh-huh. Mine was uh, I want to do a epic stand-up special uh-huh. that uh, is considered one of the best ever, but I, pff, I'm i not as passionate about that anymore. You don't like stand-up anymore? I like it, but I don't love it. You don't love it? I, I really like it, and I'll probably always do it, but uh, I'm not in love with it the way I used to be. I'm not in awe of the greats in the way I used to be. I watch all the specials that come out now, and I'm like, yeah, it's good. Mm. Um, that happens. So I just don't have the passion and the enthusiasm to to do that. I also just don't know what the comedy world, what the media world is going to look like in five to ten years. And you know me, it's very hard to plan then. It's hard to have a have a goal when you don't even know what the uh, parameters for that goal are going to look like. And I also don't really like the culture in uh, comedy at the moment. What do you I mean? love comedy. Uh, you know, it's either... Still like that super mainstream Netflix, I guess you could call it woke comedy, or it's now the reaction to that, which I don't particularly like either. Yeah. Just just either wokeness or you can't say that anymore. Yeah. It's either like white men suck or it's like, oh, you're fucking funny how a trans woman chopped off her dick. Yeah. Cancel me, bro. Like It's just one of the two. I know. And so boring. I'm just not as enthused about the overall stand-up world. And the overall stand-up world. Well, man, look, that's shouldn't really deter you though. Because you can make whatever comedy you want. This is what I hate about it I as well, because it's just so agree. hacky to go through those two things where there's infinite subjects on earth to talk about. Yeah, I agree. But then there's also uh the lifestyle of it is I don't know if I want to do that when I'm in my forties and fifties. A lot of traveling, as you know, it's a lot of uh you don't like just that? up and down. Uh, yeah, look, I don't mind it, but um, I just, I'm not as enthusiastic. I used to love it. It was so cool. I felt like a rock star traveling around, doing shows, just partying afterwards, but. Done with it? I don't know. Like I said, I'm not done with it, but it's it's all I know. It's not, no, it's not all I know, but uh, it's just, I'm not as enthusiastic about it anymore. I don't. You know, I don't have anything to like really obsess over and I need something to obsess over. To write stand-up? No, just in general. Like I like everything I do. I'm not in a, you know, in a dark place or anything like that. I love these podcasts. I like making sketches. I like the Comedy Untamed shows I'm doing. But I'm not, you know, five, ten years ago I was like, I'm obsessed with stand-up. I want to be the one of the best stand-ups ever. I want to make it on the, on the gala and then I want to go to Montreal and then I want to try to crack Hollywood and and I just – I don't have anything where I'm like that uh, significantly passionate about anymore. Well, I think that's kind of just uh, – d- don't you think that that is just an, an inevitable decline of uh, sort of these constructed hierarchies that don't matter anymore, right? Like yeah, there's most that. social media personalities now – are more famous than the absolute cream of the crop of our generation in Hollywood. No one cares about these things anymore. No one really cares if you get a Netflix special. 
No one cares. Like a Netflix special is kind of just like a curated YouTube now. It doesn't really open doors like it used to. In fact, all it does is constrict them. Every part of that tier that you go through, you're just getting more and more constricted. And most people just bail out of it because they just think, oh, okay, I'll just do what we're doing now. I'll just start my own podcast. So I think that there's just like this, the, 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 it's also a thing of just the fact that in your youth, everything seems all like bright eyed and wonderful. And then you kind of just That's true. understand through the life of experience that everything kind of just gets less flashy. That's very true. And on top yeah. of that, like that yeah. entire show business model has been deflashed like nothing in the history of humanity. There is no flash to it anymore. That's very true. So, yes, everyone is peeked behind the curtain and does not like what they see. Uh, that's the other thing I do think over the last couple of years I've, I've changed a lot yeah. and my general inner psychology has changed and a lot of what was driving my urge to, to make it, to be famous, to, to get into Hollywood, to be a star was coming from a place of a little bit of insecurity, something to prove. And I, I don't know, I don't have that anymore. I don't need everyone to look at me and laugh at me. Hmm. I think that's a lot. That's a big part of it as well. Uh, I'll mm, get into mm. more of another one of the therapy session podcasts just uh, after we uh, have a word from our sponsors. You can skip through this bit if you like, but uh, it helps out this podcast a lot. So our first sponsor is Earthy. I'm Earthy.com.au. I m e a r t h i e dot com dot au. They are probably the most ethical clothing brand in the world. They're based in the south coast of New South Wales with unique earth-inspired designs using eco-friendly inks. There's no toxic pesticides, no fertilizers. All the workers are protected from having to be exposed to chemicals that could seriously harm their health. Every facet of the production line is ethical. Everyone is paid a living wage and they donate $1 usually from each shirt to the foundations that they support, the Australian Conservation Foundation and Sea Shepherd Australia. But if you use the code Neil Jordan, they donate $5 and you get 15% off. So I'm earthy.com.au. I am E A R T H I E.com.au. Use the code Neil Jordan, all one word. And we're also sponsored by Crush Organics. Crush Organics got a huge range of CBD oil and CBD oil products. I have been a now a long-time user of uh, their CBD oil right before bed. I sleep like a baby. Uh, got, I, I use the platinum oil. They've got the everyday oil if you've never used it before. Uh, they've got pain cream. They've got gummies. They've got everything you need. So if you want to de-stress, if you want to reduce the uh, pervasive tension that exists in all of us in this crazy world that we're living in, uh, get yourself some uh, Crush Organic CBD oil. Crush with a K. And use the code NEIL on that one, N-E-E-L. You get 40% off. And, of course, we have uh, sponsor, uh, we have questions, topics, and shout-outs available, neilkolhatka.com slash podcasts. And all the money from that goes straight to the Life You Can Save charity. Uh, go see Jordan live. And even though I've just spoken and I'm going to continue to speak at length about how I've fallen out of love with stand-up, come see me live. <laughs> Comedy un- it's, it is a very great show, <laughs> comedyuntamed.com. And uh, it's not just me. There's a bunch of comedians. Look, there'll be a lot of comedians that are far more in love with the art form than I currently <laughs> am. So comedyuntamed.com and um, you get a smorgasbord of comedians and it's got shows in, in Perth on sale and we regularly do them in, in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. Uh, and we got someone in, on sale in Wollongong, Newcastle, all over the place. All right. Um, 
Yeah, dude. I uh, just, I just, I honestly don't know if I could see myself. I, I'll, I'll always do stand up. I like it. I'll always do it. But um, I don't think I can dedicate myself to the craft to be able to achieve that goal I'd, I'd sort of set two years ago, which was to have this ex- this perfect special that, you know, in 20 years people look back on and say that was one of the best stand-up specials ever. I just, I just don't have the passion to do that anymore. And it's not like I don't have passion in, in general. I, I'm like yearning for something that I can like dedicate myself to. I feel like I've got a lot of energy right now. Um, I don't have any major, you know, financial responsibilities just yet. I do want to have kids soon, but that's probably like four or five years away. So I've got a good little period here to really dedicate myself to something and it'll it'll always be artistic. That's just what I'm good at. That's what I always want to do. It will um, will likely be something that's integrated with social media. And I've got a few ideas of what I might want to do there, but... I just don't know if it'll be stand up or even just like sketch comedy. I just I just think I want to do something really different. I want to I want to I want to challenge. I want to I, I really admire something like the what you've done, what you've achieved. You, like I've always said, you do you you're not you can't put you into a box. You're not a political commentator, you're not a comedian, you know, you're just like all these different things integrated into one and you've really created a legacy and you're literally shaping the politics in this country and it's admirable and uh, there's a there's a ceiling for stand-up in Australia I even think there's a ceiling for stand-up in in the world uh, I do love acting but I also am not too confident in the in the culture around acting right now so I yeah I don't know well let me just ask you this why do you think personally you've fallen out of love with stand-up as an art form? Like I said previously, I, I, I honestly think it's because there were certain facets of my inner psychology that were driving me towards fame and towards stardom. And now it's not that I'm against that per se. I, I have that, not <laughs> the prank or whatever, but... Uh, I don't, I'm not attracted to that anymore. And I also think stand-up is a way for people who are quite opinionated but also artistic to get their opinions out there in a sort of subversive way. And they're often quite, I wouldn't say insecure, but they don't want to just like adamantly state their opinions. And we all know what happens when comedians adamantly state their opinion. Just look at the last couple of years, particularly after Trump was elected. Uh, it was quite cringeworthy. And as a result, I think a lot of comedians <laughs> have that kind of monkey on their back where they want to prove that they're more than just a clown. And I think I'd, I've gotten over that. I don't need to do that anymore. I don't. I you don't, don't need to prove that you're more than just a clown? Well, there's that. And I also just don't need to prove. I, don't, I just don't need to, you know, get up on stage in front of 100 people and try to make them laugh. I love I'd still like it. I don't I'm good at it and I like it and and I'll always do it because it's it can be lucrative at, at times and it's it's something I'm very good at and well versed in. But uh it's just not something you know what I'm like I'm just not obsessed with it anymore or like hyper passionate about it. That's all. And you think it's mostly because uh internally that need for validation from an audience has shifted. 
I do believe so, but it could be something else. But I, I believe because so. there's also, I also another thing that's also coming on, out from the things that you're saying, which is that you also seem to not really like the state of what comedy yes. is at the moment. There's that. There's that, and also just I love all the people that are in comedy personally, but you know what the arts can be like sometimes, and you know what I'm like, and it can be frustrating uh working with not just managers but you know people that are at you know in venues and other comedians and other artists and everything is so chaotic and it's been exacerbated due to the pandemic and there's no planning or structure and there's no I'm not saying I want to like clear 9 to 5 but just things will just pop up out of nowhere like he's this amazing lucrative uh brand deal but you got to do it in a week and it's just like oh man I can't I want just like a a structure to my life and, and you know, I, I want to uh, work in a way that suits me and I just don't think the stand-up world and, like, even just the broad, broadly speaking, the arts and media world is conducive to, to that, to what I think will give me a lot of peace of mind. Do you want to say Okay, so that really it's mostly Does just that- like, it, it, okay, so the, the actual world and the mechanics of how it works conflicts with the way that you operate as a person i think that's part of it and i think it's also like the inner psychology but i mean i could be wrong but i've thought about it a lot and i just all right so inner psychology has shifted you don't need the validation anymore you need you 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 need to be around an environment that is more structured than the entertainment world yeah i literally thought oh maybe i should just go to the army for three years yeah. You don't get anything more structured I mean, than man, that. Every, but every time a man is lost in their life, they, they go always the fantasize yeah. about the army. Because it's like, boom, you've you got to wake up at something romantic five, about it, which is gotta really weird. You've got to do your bed. You've got to, you know, you, as soon as you step out of mm. line, you get yelled at. And that sounds weird, but... That's, no men yearn for that. As a, as a sort of contrast to what I've been through in the last 10 years, which is just, just chaos... And with the changing landscape, and you know, TikTok came around, and I've I've done really well on that. But it's just the algorithms, and and they're constantly shifting. And then Instagram had Reels, and then it, there's just no way to just be consistent and plan for something in five to ten years because I just have no idea what media is going to look like. Well, that's really no idea scary what commentary. social media is going to mm, look like. It's scary, and yeah. that just makes me uneasy because yes. well, what's the point of doing this if I can't plan for something? five or ten years down the track uh and i'm not actually going to join the army because then i was like yeah i like the structure but i don't want to die but it is very interesting that you say that because it does really speak to the way that you view the world neil which is that like and this is why you have always been the early adopter out of all the australian youtubers it's because you're always understanding you you understand the beast that you're in more than the rest of us do well, by a mile. Thank you. Like, I mean, I think I think Isaac uh, surrounds himself with people that understand the beast, but you personally do understand the beast, and so it annoys you that you're now looking at it and just being like that you can't game it in the same way anymore because it's too ubiquitous it's just everywhere at once all the time and it's kept society in this kind of permanent stasis well there's that but i don't want to i don't want to game it i was i was very much obsessed with 
how do I get my YouTube videos to get more? Well, the thing is YouTube is actually something I might want to focus a lot more on. Um, even though I just said, yes, yeah, social media is at a complete, it's a, it's a clusterfuck. But uh, for a while I was very, uh, there's also just certain topics that I was passionate about that uh, formed a lot of not just my stand-up but my uh, artistic and, and podcast inspiration. So early on it was very cultural and racial. And you can see that in my stand-up and my videos. It was all based on cultural stereotypes, racial stereotypes and delving deeper into it and just having sort of hopefully what I thought was like a stewed commentary of that, that is, yes, the, the, the structure of is like, this group is different to this group, but it's a sort of deeper look into, into that, I hope. And then for a while there, I was quite, uh, well, political, but more on the cultural side of politics. And I made a lot of those videos that were critical of, I guess, progressivism and you know, there was a sort of nascent uh, movement there that, yes, it was, I guess, the alt-right. But uh, even that has sort of crumbled, hasn't it? Because now there's just, you know, there were, there were sort of really edgy memes in 2015, 16, 17. It felt very punk rock. It was people like, I guess, Milo and uh, and that ilk going to protests, wearing a burqa, talking about how he's a gay man that loves black dick and also how the libs are retarded or whatever. And now that whole group has just sort of divulged back into what was always classical conservatism. You know, it's like Jordan Peterson in a three-piece suit sitting in a library with classical music talking about why <laughs> you shouldn't have sex before marriage. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, that's not, <laughs> like what happened? <laughs> that's not edgy. <laughs> it's not... It's not it's not exciting. That's not, you know, at the forefront of culture. That that actually is just classical conservatism, which is fine, but there's not you know, then then for a while I was obviously very interested in in relationships and the dynamics between men and women and I still am and I have a whole podcast dedicated to that, but I want something I just want that new thing that I want to obsess over and that will probably inform a lot of my art and 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 content and I don't know if that would be very stand-up focused, whatever that is. I, but why I, I, wouldn't it be stand-up focused? Because really, let's just strip back what stand-up comedy is for a second. What do you think it is? Okay. Yeah. It is. We've See? always talked about this before, but uh, we sort of came up with it's it's sort of astute observation. It's like unspoken truths that are delivered in a in a clever and often subversive and funny way. Okay. That's like I suppose an aspect of it, but it's just like if you look at the vast array of stand-up comedy that's on offer at the moment, like you, you I don't know, just it's, it's classic examples, right? Like Nunette or Dave Chappelle or yeah. I don't know, any of that shit, right? It's not really like yeah, exactly. that, gag a minute. Well, yeah, and that too. It's it's not I'm not enthralled by what is considered the precipice of the art form. I'm I'm actually quite despondent when I see the people that are held up as the apex of our profession. And I just think, oh, this doesn't excite me. Okay. That's all well and good. But that like, you you know what I'm saying? Like if you liked the art form itself, that surely shouldn't deter you at all. Like I feel exactly the same way you do about these so-called idols of stand-up comedy that we have now. Yeah, but uh, it does. But like it doesn't really detract from my like of, like of it. No, it I'm doesn't. Just I guess, just like, okay, I tune it those people out and I just focus on the jokes more. Yeah, I, 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 
well, for whatever reason, um, it has. It has sort of sullied my passion uh, for the art. Again, I still. I'm not saying I hate it or anything like that. I, lo- I, know, I no, really no, no. like it, yeah, yeah. and I'll always do it. Yeah. And it's an amazing job, and I'm very thankful that well, I'm able to do it. Theoretically, if you tuned those people out and didn't watch them anymore, do you think that your uh, love of the art form would increase or decrease, or would it stay the same? Probably stay the same. I can't imagine it would increase. And okay. I can't imagine it would. You know. It, it, it might decrease, but it didn't. It wouldn't increase. That's for sure. What about if you found a subject that you were very passionate about? Because this is this is the way that I look at stand up now, personally. Right? It's just like I think at the core of it, good stand up comedy is somebody who's getting up with something to say. It doesn't have to be as unctuous and odious as Trump's a racist or something like that. But there's a lot of things in the world to talk about and a lot of things are extremely interesting. And I think that's just like humor is a great way of expressing it and it's an artistic way of expressing it. It's kind of just like different paints that you put on an easel, you know, like it's- It's, it's very true. Uh, maybe then it is a matter of me not having a, a subject matter that I can obsess over right now. Because, it was, you know, I, the classic topics that I've always dealt with, like, you know, culture and race, I. Yeah, I'm still interested in that, but it's not it's not as interesting to me as it once was. Mm. Uh, the 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 whole inundated cult, as well, you know, modern culture, especially uh, s- the scolding of woke culture. It's like it, it it's been it's done be, exactly. Like I've done that now for so long. I've said what I wanted to say. It's it's now becoming so laborious and repetitive. And yeah, we get it. Woke people are annoying. We. Uh, I can't bring myself to do any more jokes about that. Mm. I mean, I might do some here and there, but it'll usually be like tangential to something else. But And then Men and Women, which I actually have a stand-up special that I will film probably late this year that is going to deal with a lot of that subject matter because I've actually written it over the last four years and I'm actually going to pick out the best Well, bit. that's fucking amazing, yeah, Neil. I, what are you talking about? No, I'm not saying – well, it's – no, but it, I don't have any passion to then continue doing that. Well, obviously not the men and women thing, but, Neil, I think that really if you just strip away everything that you're saying, you're in a much better position to make much better comedy. Like if you don't need the applause of the audience, if you don't need the constant – reaffirmation of them and you're coming out there and doing something that you're passionate about and you're talking about it and you're good at that i really don't see what's constricting you like okay yes the the actual industry itself is annoying but you don't you can completely divorce yourself of the industry you don't have to interact with it at all and like when it comes to true uh when it comes to like um well i'm just look i don't yeah i i i am feeling what i'm feeling i don't know if it's i honestly think it's, it's something that no i think it's just that Look, I go through them as well. You just go through droughts where it's just like you you read so much on a subject, you just feel like you know the subject inside out, you're bored of it, obviously. Then it takes a while for something else to grab you and then you go down that path and then you just start obsessing over that and then you've got something to talk about again. Yeah. Because that's all I ever really want to do stand up on. Like as I said before, like when I shifted my – understanding of what stand-up is from just regurgitating joke, uh, not regurgitating, well, yeah, regurgitating jokes, but like joke, 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 which is all well and good. 
I, I, again, I just think that like the human body just gets satiated by it after like an hour. Like there needs to be like these kind of uh, different forms and whatever. But most of the time when I've just been to a stand-up show, that's just joke for the whole time. I'm just like, I'm tired. Um, but when I kind of shifted it from that to, hang on, this art form is all just about like, this is the thing that someone has been thinking about all year, or as you said, for the last four years. And this is the most refined version, condensed version of their consciousness being projected on stage. Then all of a sudden I was like, this, this is cool. And I can watch the cringiest stand up on earth now if you just look at it from that perspective because really that is what it is. Yeah, that, that, and that's an incredible perspective then. So maybe that I haven't fallen out of uh, love with the art of stand up, but I don't. I definitely don't have that subject matter to obsess over. No. Right now. But that's fine, Neil. Like that's like that's a drought and that all that means is you just need to like widen your horizons. You just need to just like, you know, look at a bunch of different things until something catches your attention and then you're down that way. Like the fact that you're coming out with a stand-up show that takes that took you four years to write, it's it going to be good. It was just four years' worth of material that I'm actually going to cull to maybe 40 minutes of like really, it'll, it'll be yeah, like my, the best of my be- the best of the best Great. of the last couple of years. And I didn't write that much during COVID. I didn't really... I had a show ready to be filmed in 2020, actually. Um, And obviously COVID sort of put the brakes on that. And to be honest, COVID made me think about things a lot, a lot differently. And, and, you know, what I'm doing with Comedy Untamed, I want to step away from it eventually. And hopefully that's just a sort of institution in Australian comedy that continues on. And I think it will. And I'll do everything I can to make that happen. Um, but I actually like the idea of just trying something completely just crazy, just completely different, both artistically and personally and in terms of the subject matter as well. So what, like just, 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 just either not stand up at all, well, not performing, nothing? Well, I don't really know what that is yet, <laughs> but uh, it's all very vague, but uh, I just can't. Even though the subject matter might be different, the, the, the like mechanics and like what I was talking about before, the whole surrounding culture, the surrounding world of stand-up is becoming repetitive and tiresome for, mm. for me. And, and I've been doing it for, I've been doing it since I was 15. True that. Talking about like more than half my life I've been yep. doing it. And maybe I just need, uh, I, I'm never going to stop doing it. I will always, no matter what, I'll always at least do a gig once a week or something like that. Mm. But I think I, I want to take like a year or two off it being the main focus. So you, you, when, when you're talking about doing something crazy, you're talking about something like travel or are no, you no, talking no, no, about no, like, like getting, like going to uni to do like a degree <laughs> in HR or? No, no. I mean like uh, I'm always going to want to create things. So I want to just. Paint? No, I don't think painting. Maybe a new me. I don't. I, again, this is all very vague. I don't know. But uh, I guess I just am, am looking for maybe some more novelty and and yeah, adventure, but artistically rather than just elsewhere in my life. 
Novelty and adventure. I think. But oh, not no, I can't put my finger on exactly because it's all very Well, you know murky. what I think? Like another thing that's like striking out when you're saying it, I think that you're just at a different developmental stage. Like this yeah, is the possibly. same thing that happened to me as well, right? Like I think I just kind of like maxed out artistic expression after a while. I thought can only take you so far. It's not like it's something that you want to get rid of in your life. But then it just, just you go into another stage of your life and now I'm kind of just more obsessed with building institutions as opposed to like artistic fulfillment. So maybe you're yeah, just at that stage like, where it's like. Yeah, I like I like what I've sort of built. Well, yeah, what, what has happened with these shows and like I said, I hope it can become an institution but. I'm also, as I've mentioned in other podcasts, I don't, I don't see myself, you know, managing for the rest of my life, and it's basically at a point where it can run now because it's already people are like, hey, you, I love those videos you're doing with all the other comedians, and everyone else is getting recognized a lot, and so, you know, I'll give into that what I think I can, and just I'll just give, I'll just give that to them soon. I don't want to, you know, I don't it'll hopefully keep growing as well, but I don't think it's gonna be something I do for the rest of my life. You know how they always say there are like conscientious people and there are creative people. I think in like my basic day-to-day structure of my life, I'm like very, well, I, I like to think I'm conscientious, but I guess that's just in the arts world. I think if I actually hung around army people or people in the corporate world, I'm probably not that conscientious. But when you're just around people who literally can't send an invoice or like will just after every gig get, you know, high or just blind drunk and then you know what comedians are like. I love them all to death, don't get me wrong. And these aren't the people I work with but just the general atmosphere of comedy. Yeah, I feel like I'm very conscientious but I don't know if I actually am because, you know, they say that thing about creative people, how they always have to, you know, they need something new. I think I I heard a lecture where there was someone talking about a creative person and he just three or four years he did something and then he's just like, I need to do something else. And I think I do also have that in me. Well, I think everybody like Every, I mean, everyone naturally does. Oh, wants to just move to the next thing. Exactly, everyone does. But so basically, you're just saying that uh, mastery is not a need for you anymore. Yeah, mastery of stand up is no longer a, a need. Yeah. What if you did join the army? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. I have to think about that a lot more. Does it appeal to you? It appeals to I'd me. Have to, I'd have to like really look into it a lot more and things. But I'll tell you this though: some of it, uh, people that go into the army. I was just talking to people because I was in Townsville, and they're all coming up to me afterwards saying how much they hated being in the army. And every time I'd say, "Yeah, but what did you like about it?" And every time they're always saying, "I run." an extremely successful business. And it is because the military teaches you something that like, you know, modernity most certainly does not, which is when you're about at 70% of your max capacity, that's when you think that you're exhausted and the military pushes you for that other 30%. So you really know what your limits are. That's what they were saying. The military is incredible at finding someone's limit when they collapse. 
that's mostly what your training is about. And also to just keep those routines going that kind of keep you alive and get you to that point. And every time I always say the same thing, my standard is nowhere near what it was when I was in the bunks, but I have maintained a lot of that discipline. And there's just the only other people that I ever see that in is professional athletes. Hmm. So there's that definitely something in it that you cannot peeling long term. I'm sure it'd be quite torturous when you're in there, but you know that that's the end product. That's that would hopefully get you through it. Yeah, mm. I think so too. Well, look, it's something I look into a, a little, a little bit more. I don't think I'm not, although I'm not out of love with uh, you know media and art. I just well, I do, I do also you know what get... you've done? Like you've got this hybrid kind of style of just, and it's also your unique style and it's something so dear. Every other creator and comedian, you can be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen that before. Oh, I've done, that's been done before. Or like I can see where they've got that from. But you don't have that and there's a few select people that don't have that and I actually really admire that. And I would love to explore some sort of style or, or medium that that yeah it's it's sort of adventurous not just in terms of the subject matter but in terms of the actual the style style what do you mean you know it's, it's cuz like stand up is a is a style it's a form and rather yeah, than playing like, with like the subject hackery. matter you play with like the style itself See, this is what I'm talking about, Neil. Like, okay, sorry. This is something else I wanted to bring up. You know how Steve Martin, I don't know, like you really should read his book because it kind of sounds like you're going into his realm. But he was talking about, obviously, because he grew up during a time, and this is something that I think happens, and Will Anderson observed this as well, stand-up changes to fit the zeitgeist of the time, right? Yes, And does. so I'm feeling at the moment, now that the Labor Party's in, you can kind of feel this just lag of people just aren't that interested in politics anymore, obviously, because there's just nothing to really rebel against. Everybody feels like the problem's been fixed and so they move on with their lives and they've got other things that they want to focus on. And also the fact that COVID's done and all this kind of stuff. It's just, it's a different era that we're in and it's emerging into something else. He was talking about that because he was growing up during the Vietnam War. Uh, Sorry, he was in the stand-up world during the Vietnam War. And he observed that all of the stand-up back then was very George Carlin-y. It was very, what do we have to do? sit down and appeal to the man, man, what's wrong with taking drugs? You're allowed to take these kind of drugs, but you're not allowed to take these drugs. It's all about control, man. Like that was, that was all stand up, mm-hmm. hippies, hippie stuff. And then obviously there was just the mainstream stuff, which was, you know, very like who's on first and all that kind of stuff. Right. And then he created, and this is why he is remembered to this day and revered as a comedy God, really, his own style. He did. And it took him 10 years and you go back and you watch it and it, it, it is pure genius. Like it, it's, it, he, he did exactly what you're talking about there. He created a completely different style of stand-up, but he said that the inception of that was that he felt personally, I'm tired of all this hippie shit. I get it. 
the Vietnam War was bad. Do we have to feel bad for the rest of our lives? Well, I might, I, I, I have to read that book then because that's exactly how I feel just for all comedy, not just stand-up, but just for comedy and media and YouTube, everything. It's like I've seen all this. Yes. And, I mean, I obviously watch a lot, but I haven't – there's nothing innovative that seems to have really appealed to me as of late in the last year. I You know, in 2020, I would say – TikTok, I actually, I, know, I probably disagree with you on this. Like, there were some really edgy, interesting things happening on TikTok, I felt. And then that sort of just divulged into what it is now, which is just sort of really. Filth. Yeah, I mean, like really uh, fervent opinions either way on cultural issues or, I mean, honestly, like Andrew Tate is the most like enigmatic, interesting person that I think has come into my consciousness this year. Do you know him? Yeah, I just did a video on him recently. Well, I mean, yeah. it's just like he's gone into everyone's consciousness. Hasn't yeah, it? yeah. And it's just at least that's something. What I think he's done is synthesize sort of MRA talking points and that MRA philosophy but made it, it sort of integrated that with a more like alpha Dan Bilzerian, Donald Trump-esque before, before he was a president uh, opulent uh, facade, and I think he sort of integrated them both, and he's really hit something on the. He's really hit a nail on the head there. Like, there's not. They, they, say what you want. Like, there's not really anything else like that out there. Right. Okay. I'm not trying to say I'm going to do what he's doing at all. In fact, I disagree with a lot of what he says, but it is interesting. It's diff. You know, it is different. Well. It's not so much as you said, right? Like it's not really different. It's kind of like a synthesis of two things that existed before. Yeah. In fact, I I don't know. I don't know anything about MRA. You could be right. But to me, it's, a lot of it is just reflective of like the pickup that I was reading when I was like 19. Well, pickup and MRA are very- Same shit? Very similar. Yeah. They're not the exact- I mean, if you get into the Manosphere community, there's all little subcategories, but they're, they're all part of the same um, umbrella. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, well, actually, yeah, sorry. I should describe it as more pickup artistry than MRA. Mm. MRA is more about Because, well, like, like I, divorce I, I, rights I have and very things, little but- exposure with him, but every time I've ever heard him speak, it's always just this. It's like, there's only so much game you can learn. You have to learn to be a man, okay? And that means you go out and you'll be homeless for two months, and then you'll have some fucking storage, and then you'll get laid. Like, it's, it's, it reminds me so much of just any pickup book that I was reading back in the day. Hmm. After that a, initial swath of just like, make sure that you wear a stupid hat, then you'll get laid, which it, it is retarded, but it, it did work. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose it's come, it's come at the right time. It's come at the right time in the zeitgeist because there's now more than ever this kind of cultural outcry of just being undernourished, romantically from both modern men and women and they're at each other's heads but it comes from a breakdown of like traditional uh dating and 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 romantic norms which a lot of were you know were lopsided and and were gendered i suppose but it's left a lot of people quite unfulfilled you add the sort of corporate incentives of online dating and it's just a it's a 
morass of anxiety and jaded millennials that don't want to date and, and kind of hate the other gender. And it's, yeah, the conditions are ripe for someone like that to pop up. But like that is, he will now always be a, a thing. It's, it's, it is, he, he really does have his finger on the pulse there. It's, I remember I saw him two or three years ago and we were just talking about how he would beat, beat a woman up or something. And it was, it was caught your attention, you could say that. Mm. But then he went more into, yeah, the I guess the philosophy of modern alpha men or wh- whatever you want to call it. And, and he's also just very... Where he's so much better than the Fresh and Fit podcast is that he's actually funny and he's entertaining and he's he's like a Donald Trump sort of character, isn't he? Because he sort of says outrageous things, but he also has this kind of aggressive charm to him in some respects and he catches your attention. And also he's got that Hustlers University thing where he just gets a bunch of people to post his content who each get a cut of new, the new members who sign up. So it's this massive pyramid scheme and so he's a multi-multi-millionaire. And it it's like he gets endless more money. Promotion. Yeah, it's endless promotion. So it's it's clever. He's a smart man, business wise. I mean, whether you call it ethical or not, but um, yeah, isn't that weird? I'm just like mm, I'm not inspired by Dave Chappelle, but Andrew Tate, he's interesting. <laughs> no, that's sick. That's what I think. That's when I think good stand-up comedy comes because if you just focus on stand-up comedy as an industry and the type of people that are in it, what do you become? You become a cheap version of them. But if you go out of the stand-up world and you come back into it with something else, you've got something unique. Yeah. So that's sick that you're kind of like influenced by Andrew Tate more than you are Dave Chappelle. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm, I would say influenced, but uh, no, nah, but like you, you know, know what? Like I'm, even I'm, if you're not, I'm somewhat mesmerized by what he's done, and like the the I guess yeah, he, he's. It is something new. That, that's all I'll say. Um, there's some cool things happening on YouTube. Uh, there are a lot of creators I liked a couple of years ago that were doing a lot of commentary about, you, you know, sort of criticism of progressive ideas, but doing it in a very clever and intellectual way. It wasn't just Jordan Peterson. There's a lot of them out there that were really engaging and interesting and not spoken about them before but you know coleman hughes is a great example and i loved sam harris and i still do i still like them but again it's like i've i've heard it it's like how many how many podcasts on on identity politics do you need we we get it we know now it's bad the problem with it is is i honestly like jesus if you're sick of it can you imagine how fucking sick sam harris is of talking about it it's just that's what the audience demands. I don't think it's – I don't think he – look, I'm sure he's not immune to audience capture, but I just – there needs to be people talking about it because it is in the zeitgeist. There will always be people talking about it. And if you're, a, I guess, a cultural critic or a commentator or, you know, a philosopher, you're going to have to talk about what are relevant issues of the time, and that is a very relevant issue of the time. I'm, you know what I'm quite interested in, you know, the people, you know, the person I was talking to you about that, I'm, we watched a whole debate between what if old Hist and Vorch. 
<laughs> Don't remind just... me. I'm so ashamed of that. <laughs> you can feel the neck beardiness just emanate from the screen. <laughs> oh, God. But I really. I d- I d- that was amazing, actually. You're right. That was the most neck beardy thing. I've, yeah. It, it must be one of the most neck beardy things that ever existed, is that discussion. Sure. But <laughs> I really like uh, <laughs> What If Old Hits. I, I, and he's like a 20 year old artist from America, but his videos are in, in really captivating. Yeah. And, and yeah, he, he researches them well. And I like uh, his commentary on, on, on today's culture under the pretense of his knowledge of history as well. It's very interesting. And Okay, give me give me a quick shot. Uh, oh, look, you have to, I can't really. See, you have this to is what, you have uh, to uh, look, but obviously like, history is, this is the thing that I think happens after a while. Like I always thought this cyclical as a kid. cyclical and repetitive. It's cyclical it? and repetitive. There's definitely an element to that. But I also remembered a period of my life. I liked history as a kid, obviously, because it was kind of like a storybook and then- it was a point where it bored me and I thought that that's only what old men are into and I was like, why the fuck would you be looking into things that happened in the past? And now you get history again and it is because it puts everything in context. Yeah. You understand the chaos of the world today. Perfectly. When you, when you understand history and it's something I probably would be a lot more interested in and I I have you know read briefly on it but not, not to the extent you have by any means and – I'm really interested by it, but I'm ve- obviously I'm very interested in culture generally and and what the people that I – I still admire them and I still like them a lot, but they've just it, – it does feel like it's become mechanical and repetitive. It's like, all right, we've heard these things before and at the, to the point where they're becoming talking points. They're just becoming – the same thing over and over again, and we know. And I agree with everything they say. And, the you know, the culture war, so to speak, is still going on in the background. But as you say, there are probably more pressing issues now that aren't even cultural. There's impending uh, collapse of the global world order. There's inflation. There's, you know, potential economic collapse or at least harsh times on the periphery that we're, or we could potentially be there. You look at what's happening in Sri Lanka. There's this, the whole global food supply is a mess. And with the rain we're having here in the heat wave in Europe, clearly the effects of climate change are now starting to hit. And that's going to just get worse over the next 20 to 30 to 40 years. And, you know, there's a lot of issues that I'm not, I wouldn't say they're more pressing than cultural issues, but they probably need to be intertwined into the cultural debate a little bit more as well. And something that I guess I was thinking about it this weekend, something that does interest me as I guess a concept is like, what will culture look like in the coming decades? Now that's cool. Now that that interests me. Well, then you know what you need to start looking into? The exact opposite of history. You need to start looking into futurism. That's the subject for you. And this is the whole thing, Neil. Like I really think that you're really throwing the baby out with the bathwater here, even though you're not because you said that you're just going to continue on with comedy as a thing, right? But it's sure. just like, look, I think it's because the the concept of what you think is comedy needs to expand, which will actually ironically fulfill your goal of uh, writing a sick stand-up when you're 50. I'm not talking about comedy in general also just stand up 
I guess. Yes, that's what I'm saying too, right? Like like the, the stand-up, because I think that this is what we're getting into as a result of the internet or at least like something that I was thinking about it the other day because like people are always, as you said, they're always trying to pigeonhole me. And I think now stand-up comedy is kind of just like, who are you as a human being and what do you think? And then you put comedic tools over the top of that to make sure that people pay attention. But this is the whole thing, right? Like, okay, as you were just saying then, think about it. Like your first stand-up, your first stand-up special that you were talking about, right? Like, God, it was so long ago that it was happening, but what were you talking about? Like rap being Indian. That's that's 90% of it. Mostly, right? (laughs) Yeah? Yeah. And then you keep evolving as a human being. Now you're doing like four years of material and condensing it into this is what like the dynamics between men and women are like. That is another element of your like evolution. There's there's already a lot of uh, jokes about uh, the future and AI and what I and just like impressions about what things are going to be like when I suppose cars are self-driving and I've got a lot of impressions about the various voices based on what car you may uh, own and, uh, you know, what a like a robot bartender would be like at an Australian pub. And I've already started integrating that into my stand-up. But these are big issues, man. Like this, like what is the world going to look like in 10, 20, 30 years and what should culture be in the West? Sure, stand-up is always going to be a tool and an avenue to express my thoughts there, but... I may, I mean, I always have been, a, you know, a, a YouTuber, but I may pivot more towards online content and make that my main thing. And what do you mean online content? This? Well, yeah, this will be part of it, sure, but like, like you're just talking about, but you, YouTube and shit. Yeah, yeah, but, but that's your life now. Yeah, I know, but like, I, it's not my focus, and it's not something I've really thought about. It's always like a classic sketch. I'm like, all right, this group versus this group. Or, you know, uh, it, it's also become very mechanistic and and formulaic and it's become, uh, you know, you, you should turn out, okay, you got a video this week, what's it going to be? All right, here's a funny idea that we can extrapolate from. And, and I don't feel like it's art. I don't feel like I'm really putting my heart and soul into it. Okay. So really what you're talking about is just like more high production videos on subjects that you're interested in. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I'm just thinking out loud. I don't know. Well, all I'm saying, man, is just like the thing that I think keeps you interested and the thing that always, and this is just, I think, part of like the artistic life is that artists, as you're just correctly identified, are always searching for the new thing. Uh, You know. This is why someone like Da Vinci, for instance, was very interested in mathematics. He was very interested in natural history. He was very interested in language. He had a bunch of different interests and they started folding over one another. And that's why he made all of these discoveries and inventions and breakthroughs in his life because he was interested in so many different disciplines. Absolutely. But he's known as an artist. Yeah. Even though he was an inventor, a scientist, uh, actually like kind of just like a fitness expert for the day, it was all these things. Well, sure. I mean, he's fucking emulate. Well, you know, one percent of what he did that would be amazing. But 
you're right in saying that you need the an artist needs to eventually just re-nourish their perspective and their mind by focusing on something completely different. Now, I focus on things that I'm like just significantly interested in and obsessed about and I get uh, maybe that's what it comes to. There's nothing I'm like really obsessed about right now. I'm really just mad about learning or looking into. There are a lot of things I'm studying and I'm looking into and I'm reading on, but um, there's nothing that I've just been able to. I think you're more suited to it than I am and it actually sounds like these are your interests anyway and I've always thought that it's probably a good way to go in life but I've never, I don't have the, I don't have the natural interest for it. Do me a favor though. From now until the next time I see you, look into futurism. It sounds like it could be something. Even even the idea that you said then, because at the core, when you look at, when we talked about this before in previous podcasts, you were always saying that your the, the natural stay, the natural interest within you has always been culture. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of the mainstay of your life. Culture and the human condition. Culture and the human condition. And I think that you've like uh, exhausted both of those things. But as soon as you even mentioned the subject of like, Imagine doing a stand-up show on these these are my predictions of where culture will be in 30 years based on these things, you know? And then wouldn't it be fucking amazing if you went back in 30 years and it was just like 100% right? Or mm. if you weren't, if you were completely off, it's kind of like when Tony Robbins is just being like, no. Let's use an example of success. A man that has never steered anyone wrong in his life. OJ Simpson. You know, like you're listening to, <laughs> you're listening to like CDs yeah. of his from the 80s or something. Yeah? Sure. Yeah. You know, like either way, it's awesome. And you can even be self-aware of it in the future. But like, honestly, well, that's exciting me and I'm not you. Well, isn't, well, no, that, 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 that is exciting me. I just don't know if the stand-up part is exciting me that much, but like the idea that we're in a pretty chaotic time. I don't think that's just the internet influencing us there's a lot of institutions that are either breaking down or people are losing faith in them and now this is particularly pronounced in america there are a lot of challenges ahead i suppose and the 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 world order the 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 like traditional way of doing things is slowly dissipating and i think that really started Maybe you could even trace it back to the GFC, but really when like Trump was elected, that was such a big blow to everyone's consciousness in the West, I think. And then COVID was a massive, uh, was a massive thing and we're still reeling from the after effects of that. And I, I just, I like the idea of not only just thinking about culture in the, in the future, designing it because there is, I was talking to my dad a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about, you know, like with any conversation that you have with any man over the age of 50, it just devolves into them complaining about woke people and, and the greenies. But he uh, <laughs> <laughs> was, devolves. I was just saying to him, look, why, like, would everyone's just at each other's throats and wants to either go back to what things were or, like, has this utopian idea of how things should be? But 
who's actually sitting there? Like a lot of people are sitting there and and critiquing the direction culture is going in. Who's actually sitting there? I'm sure there are people that's in. By all means, tell me who these people are. I'm not trying to say no one's doing it, but who's sitting there and saying, "This is what the world is now. This is what it's going to look like in 30 years." This is what our culture should be. Not, hey, this is why woke people are retarded. This is why conservatives are dumb or whatever. This is what, in the year 2050, this is what the culture of the West should be. Now, Dude, that, I mean, that's as ambitious as you can get. Yeah, well, exactly. Like, you know what this, look. No, you're thinking about it the wrong way, Neil. You you really are. Like, well, yeah, you're, you're, you're talented at stand-up. Stand yeah, yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. have to do it in the stand-up thing. It's just like, well, I mean, look, I personally think that it's a great way to – the reason that I think that stand-up is a great art for this stuff, right, is, again, that point that I'm saying is just like it synthesizes everything. It forces you to focus your best thoughts onto paper. First of all, it forces you to write them down. That's huge. Most people never write down their thoughts. Second, it's endless refinement. Endless refinement until you get to something where you can just share with that. This is the way that I look at stand-up anyway. You can share that knowledge with people in a refined, engaging way. Yeah. No, look, that's fine. But I'd still have my reservations about like the 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 lifestyle of stand-up the everything else that's involved okay. in it, other than the actual I do like the I'm not I'm not uh, look we can go back and forth on the I'm not I'm not I don't think you're going to like change my passion for it right now it's just at a point where it's it's not gone but it's uh low if you will okay so it's just actually all right all right okay so it is the format that's gone but the, the, okay this this idea that you've got nothing to be interested in is flawed. No, what you just saying. said then is a big goal. Yeah, no, I know. But I'm not – I just thought of that over the weekend. But also uh, – So what? That's I, Like as soon as you said it, you can see the passion in you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't know how to – yeah, I guess I just don't know how I would represent things like that artistically yet. And I just think – there's a lot of scope to change the the form because with the technology that exists today, and you, we're looking at look, this is the stuff I've thought about as well. I'm just talking like I'm thinking about in comedy untamed. When is five G going to be good enough to put a VR camera in there and be the first VR comedy room in Australia? Because that's going to be like, why would people go and travel to a comedy room when in twenty years there's a monsoon in Australia because the the weather is that fucked and you know, the the grid is fucked. The electricity grid could be fucked. Who knows? But why and when the Oculus 10 is out and it's just as good as actually being there, why would they even be live stand-up? Why not just have like 40 people in the room and then you just get a bunch of people to put their Oculus on, pay 20 bucks, and they feel like they're in the comedy room? Why not? So it's also just like the art, the like the form and the style of stand-up itself. I do actually think I don't even know if it will be there in twenty or thirty years. Well, that's okay. What's wrong with that? That's still stand-up. No, I know. Yeah, it's still stand-up. True, but like then also, what is going to happen to the performance aspect of it? When like I think I talked about this in maybe last year or something, but like how transformative is VR going to be once? 
how do you, you know, you can create, imagine creating a 360 movie, like already a movie, you've got that, you've got that, so you've got that the form of the the screen, right? And then my friend Tim actually said this really aptly. He said, "Film is a beautiful medium because it synthesizes uh, uh, theater with the script and acting. It brings in music. It brings in uh, visual art with like the set design and the color grade and the pictures. And then it's also the actual film medium with how it's filmed." The artistic choices with the that the director chooses in what they choose to focus on with the camera, and all of these artistic forms come together to create the medium of film, and it's a beautiful medium. And I've always loved film, and I actually have written a short film again. I want to make start making short films again, but then, it, what is going to happen when that is also the added element is that it's no longer just a rectangular screen; it is. It is the, the world you are inhabiting right now can can be manipulated and created to represent something. Imagine that. Imagine that. It's like theater in the it well, it would really be theater in the round, but with the added added elements of sci-fi, of like CGI, and of uh all of those film elements added life. on top of that. Yeah, it's it's life. And then imagine the scope for artistic expression there. Hmm. No, no, there's already some. I've looked into this. There's a few YouTube videos where they've got some like VR comedy skits or whatever, and they're fucking crap <laughs> because like they're the very early ones, right? But it's there. It's the like technology is not quite there yet, right? And it, probably Australia will get there ten years too late anyway. But well, they do say when they've got all the five G towers, there will we'll probably all be what lizard people then but you know that that's when like when they've really put all that like they've perfected 5g that's when like the bandwidth and the 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 tech is going to be strong enough to like have 4k 360 images that you can actually consume and stream you know even these streaming services right like what sure netflix is dying now but in 10 years which which one of them are going to be the first vr streaming service like I guess Facebook's sort of gone into meta and the VR and the like. I think Mark Zuckerberg say what you want about the guy. He does all of those billionaires are really forward thinking, right? So like Jeff Bezos is not. He already is the richest man today. He's planning to be even richer comparatively in ten twenty years because he's looking into a lot of drone technology. I think he has a very large stake in Uber and. Uber is doing a lot of on, in the self-driving world, but also with Uber Eats, when they have uh, drone deliveries, well, it takes away the whole driver and there can be this just this production line of food. It's going to completely decimate small businesses, but he will have all the data of what people order, when, at what time, what age they are, you know, all the data that you've given to him on your Uber Eats, well, whoever owns Uber Eats, um, they are going to be able to have just this massive production line of of food that is probably just created by robots. Already self-cooking kitchens are just not that far away. I think they're already commercially available in the UK. Last time I, I, I can't remember if I read that correctly, but they're not far away. And, you know, there will just be this production line of food that is delivered by a drone to your house. And I'm pretty sure he already... Or like some billionaire, at least, would already be thinking about that. You know, they're thinking about what is the thing of 
10 and 20 years. They're not thinking about like what is the thing now to invest in? What is the thing that, and, and then they also think like how do you control the infrastructure of that, of the future? And that's why a lot of them are also investing in the space stuff because they know that's going to be just like the industry of the, you know, whether it's this century, next century for sure. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. And I guess I just wonder what art, you know, what is the, like I'm talking about, you know, there's going to be a new, they're going to be new mediums of art and not just like what social media is. It's like, I guess that's a new medium, but, and it changed the style, you know, a vlog. That was never really a thing before. That was like an innovative art form and YouTubing, even though it was still ultimately you're getting a wide screen, now you're getting a vertical screen, but you're getting a human being or like multiple human beings through a camera on a 2D screen, right? Which is like, it's film, but it's like condensed film. But when you get V, like when you get to the VR level, you, you, you're completely transforming the way people digest this art. And that, that interests me. Obviously, clearly I'm passionate about that. But like I, that could be a cool challenge. I don't know, like being thinking about how artists can express themselves in twenty thirty two. Not even let's twenty forty two. Let's say that, dude, you've got heaps of shit to be passionate about. Yeah, no, I'm not saying. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean this to come across as like I've got nothing to be passionate about. But I just, I guess, I'm just not passionate as passionate about just like doing the rounds of stand-up where it's just like, all right, I got a show this year and it's something I probably am passionate about, but like, cool, I'm going to go to these cities. I this think, is like the part yeah, where if I sell yeah. this much, that'll be good. If I sell more, that'll be even Great. better. yeah. You know, it does become I've, – again, I've done this for 15 years. Like it's not even that – this is like something I've done for like more than half of my life. I'll never stop doing it, but it does get to a point where I'm like, hmm what's yeah like what's the next the next thing i guess i'm always interested in that man look what if instead you kind of married both stand up and sketches because you like uh, sorry sorry uh improv because if you're there there are two things that you clearly like and with this stuff I mean, who's to say that you can't just go around and do talks like Sam Harris does? But again, he's got it kind of planned. But if you're just kind of like, yeah, here's what I'm thinking about this week, why not? Yeah, look, that's a that's a possibility. But like, I'm thinking even like even then, it's like you're still doing a show, which is a tour, which you have to plan and you have to. It doesn't really. Okay, yeah, then screw I'm, it. Maybe I'm I'm maybe I'm ridiculous. I'm just too. No, well, then you're done. That's fine. Like because look. It, you're right. It is a lot better. It is a lot better. It's a lot more efficient to just do that and wait for VR to come in the future. And I suppose in the meantime, kind of just explore things online. I mean, it's way, way more time efficient to do it that way. But man, like, I don't know. I'm I just think, thinking I think out loud, like like It I could be it, next week. Knowing me next week, I'll be like, no, 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 I'm in love with it again. So no, I don't know. Well, Maybe. Maybe. Capricious sometimes. Maybe, but it does actually just sound like you're kind of just, uh, look, all it really sounds like to me is if you really, if you really, 
boil it down to the essence of it, you're kind of just bored of the subjects that you're talking about. But I think that like, it's just like, you know, deep down that you're supposed to just be taking those and combining them with other subjects. It's kind of like a springboard. It's like, cause yeah. it's like, I actually think that that conversation that I had with you a while back about your view, like filter of the world being cultural was kind of telling. It's kind of just like, that is the core of your obsession, right? And so you've got that foundation there, which means that everything that you look through from then on is going to be seen through that lens, but you have like a good foundational knowledge of what that is. And that moves into every other subject, right? Like kind of just the same with me with politics. It's just like when I'm looking through the lens of history now, all I'm looking at is like political history. It's just, and that gives it its own spin and that's cool. And I think that like everything that you're talking about now is really interesting and like you're more than capable of getting it through. And I don't really think it matters what the the art form is. I think it's as you said, like as long as you're passionate about it, you have the tools at your disposal. So it's, I don't know a lot about futurism, but as far as I'm aware, my very you basically we're talking about it just like, then. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's like predicting, it's like essentially just like making observations about what things will look like in a given amount of years. What I know of it very rudimentarily is I know that in the 60s, you could look at predictions of what they thought the world would be like in the year 2000 and they were bang on. And in the 80s, you could look at predictions of what they thought the world would be like in 2010 and it would be bang on. And then when you got to about the 2000s, you could only start projecting maybe five years in the future. Now they think that you can only project about three years in the future. They think there's too many variables to change. That doesn't mean that futurism isn't a complete. Well, it makes it more fun then, isn't it? Because there's so many variables. So many more surprises. But also the other thing is, look, as you know how like uh, there was kind of like the lifeline of a product, the the life of a product uh, at the turn of the 20th century was pretty much just a century. And now the life of a product is about three months. Yeah. Jesus. You know, if you're lucky. So like it's and, and as soon as it's out, there's already a competitor just like trying to improve it and make it better. Like Apple knows that as soon as they make their product release, Samsung is watching and they think, okay, well then we'll make something like that. You know, like mm-hmm. so that's why, because everything is just like so quick now. Like, you know, because of the mechanization, because of the internet just making the world tiny. All of these things, are t- you know. I guess that is also what is uh, just. I think that just the, f- the 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 just the exponential growth of pace in online content. In the way, it's just every every three months, it seems like some new format comes out, something you have to post on a new platform, something you have to be in tune with here, and that is exhausting as well. Yes. So if you took back and if you took a step back and you stripped a lot of your, the exhausting parts of your life away and then you started just, yeah. I've got too many like. Too many fingers in the pie. Yeah, yeah. And I've I've always toyed with it for the last couple of years. I've always had an inkling that may be the case and I've always thought, oh, I just want to choose one thing and make that my thing and, and, and yeah, become a master of that. But I was never, maybe I wasn't confident enough. Maybe I felt like it was too much of a risk, but I just never did that for whatever reason. And I, I just felt the pressure from the the machine of the 
of the news feed to have to post a lot more content and as a result I moved into different well like this podcasting and thing which I really like now but um yeah dude it's a lot man like I mean, when I was posting just one video a week it was it was easy it was nice <laughs> you know it was it was a simple time it was fun and then um you know I could really focus in on that and now I have to delegate like an hour maybe each to like all right an hour of like managing this thing and then an hour of stand-up writing and then an hour of like thinking about a tiktok and an hour of thinking about a sketch and it's like oh my god this is this is exhausting but there are people who do it out there that are just say you know either just stand-up comedians or well that's becoming increasingly harder just a stand-up comedian and Luke Hidgel's done a brilliant job of integrating his content with the live show. And so every time he does a live show, he's creating more content that is then just like exacerbating the the growth in his live show. And now all the comedians have caught on to that. I mean, I've talked about this on plenty of podcasts and, and we've done that pretty well with Comedy Untamed also. Like that is the content, the parts of the live show, which I think is a cool little you know, hack, if you will. It's a, it's a little innov- a little innovation. Uh, but um, just the broad scope of social media, that it's, you know, they've designed it so that media companies can come in and just have a team of people that are each creating five little pieces of content a day that then just continually feed the machine. And, like, I looked at the Facebook video watch. But they also, my Facebook is fucked. And if anyone can help me, if anyone has a content... Uh, someone they know a, a contact there please let me know because if they eat if every video gets 700 views and 20 likes and ever since alex and i posted uh mean tweets taliban edition and i was shadow and i was actually banned for a while and then i feel like i've been shadow banned since then and i finally got my revenue back and it's like five dollars a week because i'm getting 700 views a video when all the, the videos on every other platform are getting 10 to 50,000. So there's clearly something going wrong there. My reels also won't go to Facebook and it's exhausting because there's no one to actually contact there. Mm. But no, that's you know, true. It's just a typical, like every boomer, oh, I'm in Facebook jail. But yeah, I am. <laughs> After making fun of the Taliban, sorry, but um, uh, anyway, anyway, yeah, like. Uh, yeah, they do that. Just, just, just like, it just like. It, feels like a constant race to keep up with the algorithms you know and then not only that there was just a handful of comedians doing what we were doing nine years ago in 2013 right when we both kind of started there's a handful there's a handful even the mainstream comedians on tv you could you could probably name most of them you know there'd be 10 to 15 that you could name and they were the ones that toured and they were the ones everyone knew now there is like an endless supply of Gen Z people on TikTok who are making good content and could be called comedians. Then you go up to the millennials who are on Instagram and YouTube that are still making good content and could be called either comedians or content creators. And then you go to now like all the uh, mainstream ones that have integrated their content into Instagram and Facebook. And there's just like this swamp. I just It's just like there's this just, just this sea of people doing it. And that's fine. That's good. It's great that there's a lot of people doing it and everything. But 
that and then the, the just the algorithm and just the way social media is just becoming faster and faster and faster it's it's that is also just killing my passion i think even though that's not stand up and and you'll probably say well let's yeah just do stand up then but I- anyone will tell you right um you can't there are a lot of people and look there are purists in australia that have tried this they've just said i'm just a stand up i'm never going to post any content their their career has gone nowhere okay it's it's basically impossible and now those same purist types are actually making content now after all these years and after having criticized all the people that did it at the start they're now trying to figure out how to make content and even the word content it just ugh, it just irks me but mm. that is the world that is the name of the game and yeah you like i just think about that and i'm like fuck i do want to join the army like that just <laughs> seems so simple Mm. And it would mm. be hard and it would be torturous, but I look, I don't know if I'll actually do that. It's just like a random little thought. But um, anyway, to sum this one up, thank you everyone for listening to me, listening to me whinge for uh, an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, I still love what I do. I love my life. I love everyone in it. And I guess it's just more of like professional and career inspiration uh, which I guess I do have topics that I'm very interested in now, but uh, I'm also very now, I think I'm interested in not just, I'm also interested in how I'm going to present my interests, I guess, to sum it up. You're interested in how you're going to present your interests. That is a good way of summing it up. Yeah. That is a good way of summing it up. I think, man, look, Trends come and trends go, but as the old saying goes, good style never goes out of fashion. I think that's the way to think about it, man. It's kind of just like, look, I mean, I do algorithm shit all the time, but I think that, that at the end of the day, it's just like, especially in a world that is inundated with content, quality stands out. It's like what if old history, you had no interest in it at all and now you do because he does good shit. I guess so, yeah. You know, yeah, that's true. What you do is very, it's high quality. It's well-researched and it's not just content. So, yeah, cool. Um, anyway, I think we'll sum that. We'll uh, end that one there. Thanks for listening. And after all that, come see me live. All right. Do it. See you next time. See ya. <laughs>